the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When you hear someone teach or preach or say or act as if if you just follow this simple formula, if you take these steps, if you do these principles, then everything is going to be simple in your faith journey. You can rest assured they have no clue what they're talking about. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Welcome to the neighborhood, neighbor. <laughs> I am so glad to be back in my neighborhood. <laughs> it's been a good time away, but uh, I'm happy to be back with you. Did you know that you can find a cardigan in Florida? In August? What do you think? So, uh, excuse me. These are Fraun Benjamin originals here, but, uh, so Mr. Rogers started his little television show 50 years ago. Can you believe that? It's 1968. So I was born in 1969. I grew up with Mr. Rogers. And the simple truths that he taught. For 30 years, his television program ran. And he taught truths like kindness. And honesty and perseverance. He dealt with the reality of life's disappointment so much so that even when the space shuttle crashed, they called on Mr. Rogers to come back on the air and, and talk about tragedy. He dealt with divorce and, and racism. And he talked a lot about love. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was a program with a simple premise. It had simple production. In fact, uh, I don't know if you know this, but he was the voice of all the puppets on the television show. And much like this one, uh, they were not high production. So simple premise, uh, simple production, and... Um, Simple principles that he taught. And so much so that today we have, does anybody know who this is? 
This is Daniel the Tiger, current uh, television show for children, but uh, it's based off the little tiger puppet from Mr. Rogers. And so Daniel the Tiger teaches things like... Hey, that would be good for all of us. Did you hear that? When you feel so mad that you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. So Mr. Rogers taught all kinds of these principles that were just basic life truths. It really shouldn't surprise us that Fred Rogers actually had studied for the ministry. He was a Presbyterian minister because so much of what he taught was straight out of God's word. And really what he was saying was around this idea. We're all a part of this great big neighborhood called the world. And so really we should learn to be neighborly. I think we probably could learn from that some today, don't you think? Fred Rogers said some things like this, everyone longs to be loved and the greatest things we can do is to let people know that they are loved and capable of loving. Or how about this, what changes the world is when someone gets the idea that love can abound and be shared. I want you to do me a favor, take your copy of God's word and turn with me to Luke chapter 10. And I want you to hear The passage of scripture that even the liberal university called Berkeley turned to when it tried to describe what Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers taught. From what most of you grew up like me hearing called the parable of the good Samaritan. But as you turn there, do me a favor. Would you welcome those who are viewing at our other campus called Mission Hill Six Mile? Would you welcome them right now? And I want to say thank you to to Pastor Jeff because for the last several weeks he has been on point preaching messages there. You know, you have been next door in our Family Life Center. I'm so grateful for all the volunteers and the staff that worked hard so we could be in here today. Isn't that awesome? But because of that, for the last several weeks, Pastor Jeff has has taught at our other campus and has done a fantastic job. This is VBS week today at Mission Hill Six Mile. And so it has been an incredible week and they're culminating that today. So uh, I'm so thankful that you're tuning in. Well, in in Luke chapter 10, you're going to find the scripture reading today. But what I want you to do is I want you to think about what happened in Luke chapter 9, because at the end of Luke chapter 9, in God's word, Jesus had just reminded us of something I think we forget often today. He reminded us of the simple truth that following Christ is not always going to be easy. So when you hear that it is, When you hear someone teach or preach or say or act as if if you just follow this simple formula, if you take these steps, if you do these principles, then everything is going to be simple in your faith journey. You can rest assured they have no clue what they're talking about. Jesus in chapter 9 was talking to an individual that was following him and the person said, hey, I need to take some time and, and bury my parent. And do you remember what Jesus said? Let the dead bury the dead. You come on and follow me. Jesus was intense. 
So I want you to understand that because context is everything in Scripture. And the context of this story that we're going to read called the Good Samaritan is in Luke chapter 10. It happened right after Jesus had talked about the intensity of following him. And then I want you to see how chapter 10 begins. So in Luke chapter 10, beginning of verse 1, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Hey, I don't want you to miss this. I'm so thankful this can be one of the first things I say after spending some time away from you. At the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the clear command of God to the followers of Jesus that we be partners on mission with him. You cannot consider yourself obedient as a follower of Jesus Christ if part of your lifestyle is not the intentional effort to be on mission with Christ. And those words of Jesus are just as true today as they were when he uttered them to the 72. The harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. We could talk about the places around the world where there are no laborers. Nations where still the gospel is not translated into the language of the people and missionaries are not allowed to go. We could talk about places like Western Europe that once were thriving in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, but now are dead. Or we could talk about our own culture, which is going in that same direction. We could even turn the microscope inward and look at most every local church that says that it's just about 10 to 15% of the people that do 85 to 90% of the work because the harvest is great. But the laborers are few. Can I ask you a quick question before we go on? Are are you working in the harvest field? Are are you on mission with Jesus? I, I, I just tell you, I've got a renewed sense that this is something I want to be a part of in my daily life. I was excited to be back in my neighborhood Publix for the first time uh, just the other evening. And, and as I was checking out, I, I saw a young man behind me in line and I noticed he was wearing a student ministry shirt. And, and, and so I decided to spark up a conversation. I, I turned to him and said, hey, is, is that a, a shirt from a youth ministry? And he said, yeah, it was a mission trip uh, from a long time ago. And it had some initials on the bottom. And so I took a stab in the dark. Because I, I knew what the initials could be. I said, could that be Long Hollow Baptist Church in, in the Nashville area? And his expression changed. And he said, yeah, how did you know that? I said, oh, I know the pastor. And I have friends there. And, and uh, he said, well, I was on a mission trip several years ago. And, and then I moved to Charlotte. And, and now just recently I, I've moved here. And, and so guess what I was able to do? Spark up a conversation of, about who I was and and what was important to me and and invite him to be here with us. You you see, we are all called to be on mission and, and to use the opportunities that God puts before us to share the message of Christ. So every day at 10.02, our, our staff team, we take a break. Those working in the office, the pastors and the directors, we, we take time and we huddle up together at 10.02. And we pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers because Luke 10.2 
tells us to do that. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Now it's not, well, guess what? I just looked up. It's 10.02. I didn't plan that. But let's pause right now and pray. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your presence. And we say thank you. Thank you for the little blessings of life, like perfect timing, even in this moment. And God, thank you for your word that keeps us on track and reminds us what we're to be about. And the words we've just read, Lord, remind us that we are to be partners with you, laboring in the field. It's for our good, but it's for your glory. So first, Lord, we confess, I confess for my failures in that area. I want to be more faithful. I want to be a better worker. But God, I also pray to you that you would just call people. Even in this service, I pray that you would call men and women, young men and women, some to, to go for a season, some to go for a lifetime, some to serve you in their vocation, God. Because the harvest is great and and the laborers are still few. And so we pray for those places where there are no laborers. We pray for those people groups that don't even have your word in their language. And we pray that the truth of the gospel would be shared even today in some of those places. And God, we recognize that as a church, we've only had one mission for the nearly 60 years we've existed, and that is to be your light and to shine with your love right here in this community. So we pray that we would be laborers in this harvest field in a way that brings you pleasure. And so, God, even as we continue now, I I just ask once more, as I often do, would you let my words be your words and make my thoughts pleasing to you? so that we walk away changed for your glory in just a few minutes. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you're interested in in being more consistent in praying over your neighborhood, I want to invite you just to to log on to a website that's called Bless Every Home. You can go to to blesseveryhome.com and you can be a part of praying for your neighbors. I I had a chance to do that this morning. And and what was great is I was praying through the homes that are around me. I, I got to pray for some of our church members. Paul and Jen Terry came up and this website lets you know who your neighbors are and where they live so you can walk through your neighborhood and pray or or you can just you can pray as as i did this morning kneeling at a chair but i would encourage you to do that and join us in reaching out to our neighbors maybe you want to do this but you feel ill-equipped well we've got good news for you as well 
this Saturday from 9 to 1, right next door in our Family Life Center. We've got a team that's coming to help us be better at just finding some simple ways to know how to share our faith. And this is your personal invitation to join me this Saturday. And by the way, rumor has it, you'll get a free Chick-fil-A lunch if you just show up. So the gospel bird is still alive. So Jesus sent them out. And it's interesting, when he sent them out, he gave them some clear instructions. And again, he he didn't make it light. He said, hey, this is going to be difficult. Don't be surprised if people spit on you. Matter of fact, that's where he taught them, learn to shake the dust off of your shoes and just keep moving. So he let them know this was a task. But they came back and they were excited. Notice what happens in verse 17. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now you've got to understand how that was. He had sent them out. Some time passes. We don't know, weeks or months. They come back and they're walking like proud peacocks. Oh, Jesus, you're not going to believe this. Even the demons, they would move out of the way when we would command them to. And notice what Jesus said. He said to them, "Uh, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. God always has a way of putting us back in our place when we get a little too proud. Have you noticed that? (laughs) It's kind of like he says elsewhere in scripture, where were you when I created everything that is? So behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that all the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So understand this. Jesus is giving us this contextual understanding that the most important thing in this life is where we're going to spend eternity. Now that's significant because one of the most familiar stories in all the Bible, really the story that this context of Mr. Rogers is based on is found right here in scripture where Jesus is reminding us of the importance of our eternal destiny. The great commandment of Jesus and the story of the good commandment are found in the context of Christ's followers tasked to be gospel-centered citizens in the kingdom of God. So make no mistake, if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I must be aware for the need of the gospel. I must be prayerful about the spread of the gospel. I must be involved in the communication of the gospel. And I must be excited about the difference that the gospel makes. And if if you get to a point in your spiritual journey where you can't walk through those four things and say, I see myself in there somewhere, then check your spiritual pulse quickly because you're not healthy. If I'm healthy as a follower of Christ, my life has to be centered upon this reality of the gospel and the difference it makes not only in my life, but in the lives of those around me. Now notice I call this one of the most familiar stories. But uh, when I was a child, that's not what we called it. We called it the parable of the Good Samaritan. And by the way, Jesus taught a lot of times using parables. A parable is just a story to illustrate a truth. That's why we do things like try to be creative. It's modern day parables. We're trying to help you understand 
unchanging, timeless truths in a way that's creative so that you can understand and grow. And Jesus did this often, but in this case, he does not explicitly say that this is a parable. And that's important because it could mean that this is a actual story of something that took place. And if it's an actual story of something that took place, that has significance because he deals with some cultural norms that we'll encounter over the next several weeks that stood in the face of the Jewish community at that time and that will stand in our face. He dealt with how we look at other people and how we view other people. And it's in that context that we have these words in Scripture. Luke ten twenty five. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, this is the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, One man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he sat him on his own animal and he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and he gave it to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will pay you when I come back. Then Jesus said, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he, the lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. Now we're going to spend the next several weeks unpacking this. And I want you to think about some things that that good Samaritan did. We're going to deal with these three things the next three weeks. First, he saw the need, right? Then he felt compassion. Then he went. And those three steps are going to be what's involved in us being the neighbors God wants us to be. We're going to have to open our eyes. We're going to have to learn to be empathizers, to feel with. And then we're going to get our hands and feet dirty. But today I want you to focus on the first part of that passage, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered... You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered correctly, do this and you'll live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, 
and who is my neighbor? I've taught this passage many times. We've taught on the great commandment many times, even right here in this place. And often we talk about how this lawyer, this Pharisee, this religious leader was trying to trick Jesus. How he's testing him. And we kind of look down him through our sinful noses. But as I was reviewing this passage, I was challenged by the reality, how often do I test God? How often do I put conditions on my Lord? God, if you get this right, then you've got me. God, just answer this and and I'm yours. I'll do everything for you. God, if you just... We put conditions on our surrender. So it's a lot easier to stand and sing songs like, All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. But man, we are terrible. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.